Good afternoon. Hope all of you are doing well. Sorry for the schedule change. We're starting with a Mishnah in the middle of Dav Chavzayin Amidalef, Maseches Ksubis Dav Chavzayin Amidalef. We'll be going to the Mishnah at an equal spot approximately on Kavches Amidalef. Let's get started. Ir Shekavshua Kharkom, if there is a city that was overtaken by some type of soldiers, Kol Kohanos Shenimsu Besocha Psulos. We assume that all of the women who are uh, found in that city, who are Kohanos, that they were violated and therefore their Psulos to their husband. Vimyeshlam Edim. However, if there were Edim to testify to the fact that they were not violated, then Afilu Eved Ve'afilu Shifcha, even if the Eved is not an Eved that we would normally accept for Edus, but here it's an Eved or a Shifcha Ha're'elu Ne'eman, and we would trust them. And a person is not going to be trusted for themselves. So that means that the woman herself can't say, I promise you I was not violated, that does not work. The Gemara opens with a question, or Minhu, Bolesha Shabola'ir, if there were soldiers that uh, take over a city. So Bishas Shalom, if they come into a city and they're really not there for war, they're there to, to, to live for a while. So then Bishas Shalom and Chavios Psuchos Asuros, if there's an open barrel of wine, we assume that the wine, that they were menasech, the wine that they created, but stumos mutaros. But if the barrels were closed, then we don't assume that that wine in the barrel is yain nesech. However, bishas milchama, if the boleshes that comes to town is there and it's a wartime, then elu ve'elu mutaros, then even the open barrels, we're going to assume that there was no nisucha yain done with them because there's no time. They're in the middle of a battle. They're in the middle of a war. They're constantly eating on the run. They're taking care of their weapons, they're catching a nap, but they're not going to do avodazara with wine. So the Gemara is uh, implying a question here. If that's true, then maybe we should assume that Bishas Milchama, like in our Mishnah, that when the Charkom come through the city, that a woman should not be psula. If they don't have time for the wine, why would they have time for the Tash Mishamita? So says the Gemara, Amar Rav Mari, live all yesh penai. Because of the Yetzer Hara, a person will make time to uh, to violate these women. But Lenasech ain penai. So therefore, there's no machlokas between our Mishnah and the Brisa here that's quoted in the Gemara at all. Rabbi Yitzchak bar Elazar Mishmei Dechizkiya Amar Kan Becharkom Shel Osa Malchus Kan Becharkom Shel Malchus Acheres. He gives a different answer. He says, no, these two are not the same thing. One is uh, people who are soldiers of their own city. People who are soldiers of their own city are not going to violate their own people who live in the city. So therefore, like this Brisa, we're going to assume that Bishas Milchama that Elu Ve'elu Mutaros. However, in our Mishnah, Kan Becharkom Shel Malchus Acheres that they will violate them. Says the Gemara, Shalosa Malchus Nami. Even if it's going to be soldiers of one particular city, there has to be at least one soldier from the opposing team who's going to break into the city. Maybe we should assume that he was able to sneak into the city and he taka did violate someone. Says the Gemara, They had set up a system of guards surrounding the city such that each guard could see the guard to his right and to his left. And there was no way for someone to get in without everybody else knowing. That's a great system under the the circumstances. Says the Gemara, yeah, that's a great circumstance. Last short line, however, people not off when they're soldiers. And I look around, security jobs hopefully are pretty boring. So they're standing there. Who says they didn't fall asleep and somebody snuck in? Says the Gemara, We're talking about a place where there are chains, where there are dogs, where there are ducks and birds that make a lot of sounds. And if someone were to walk through the gates, we would know. We would know. And therefore we can assume 
that nobody snuck in from the other army. Second of the wide lines, the Gemara says, These two drachim that the Gemara answered up, the stira from the Brisa that we brought in the beginning of this Gemara against our Mishnah, this actually is a machlok as Rabbi Huda Nesia, who was the grandson of Rabbi Huda Hanasi, and the Rabbanon. One gave the answer, as we saw earlier, that there, there's a difference between our Mishnah, which was Malchus Acheres, versus uh, the Brisa, which was the same city's Malchus, the same city's uh, soldiers. There's no problem at all, no stira at all between the Brisa and the Mishnah. The other asked all the questions that we just asked. Maybe the soldiers snuck in, maybe the guards fell asleep. And we were able to answer up like we did before that there were chains, there were animals, it would have been noisy if somebody snuck in. So that's how the Gemara deals, this is the first sigya for today, how the Gemara deals with our Mishnah and the Brisa that's brought in the beginning of the Gemara with these two drachim. And the Gemara initially presented them from Amorayim, but really it turns out that it was actually a machlokas tanoim between uh, Rabbi Huda Nesiyah and the Rabbanah. Five lines into the wide lines, the Gemara moves on to uh, a, a variation on the theme. Let's say that in that city, there's a space where one woman can hide, only one. So it says the Gemara uh, that she is matzeles al kohanos kulan. She saves all of the kohanos, and we don't assume that any of them are psula anymore. Asks the Gemara, if, she only, if it can only hold one woman, I don't understand, uh, what would be the halacha? That we can assume that any woman, any kohenes, could have been the one woman who was saved. Or perhaps maybe we don't say that. Says the Gemara, in order to try and answer this, the famed case of Shneshvilin, which is found throughout Shas in so many places. We've learned about it a number of times already. What's the case of Shneshvilin? There's one pathway. Pathway A is Tame. There's definitely a dead body buried somewhere on pathway A. Pathway B is 100% Tahor. One person walked on path, on one of the pathways. He doesn't know which one. And then he dealt with Taros. He, if he was Tamei, it would have ruined the Taros. If he's Tahor, the Taros would have been fine. And his friend walked in the other path. We don't know who walked on A and who walked on B. But we know that both pathways were walked upon. And we know that really one of them conceptually should be Tamei Mace. So that's a machlokas as to what we do. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Im nishal If each person asks on their own, because there's a possibility that they were not the one on the Tamei pathway, therefore we can assume that person to be Tahor. Um, however, Shneim Ke'achas, if both Reuven and Shimon walk in together, one of them says, I don't know which one I walked on, I just know it was a different one than the other one, and vice versa, then he says to Meos, all of this is Shitas Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Yossi argues. Rabbi Yossi, five lines from the bottom, Omer, ben kachu, ben no matter what, they're going to be held tummy. Everyone agrees if the Shaila is asked, and if they ask in sequence, if they ask one after the other, then everyone's going to be Tor. Lo nechleku, where's the machlokas, Rabbi Yossi and Rabbi Yehuda? Lo nechleku, ele bebali shal alav ve'al chavero. I'm coming here, I'm Ruvain, I'm coming to ask about me and about Shimon. And under those circumstances, there's a machlokas. So fine. Says the Gemara, mar medami lo According to one shita, when a person 
asks about himself and his friend, that's the same thing as bevasachas. It's as if you both showed up at the same time to ask a shayla, and therefore we have to be metame. That's the shita rabbiosi. Umar medami le medami and some say. Then know that even though I'm asking the Shaila about two people at once, but the case was where person one was on path A and person two was on path B. We just don't know who was where. The Hachanami, maybe we can say in our case as well, we were asking, is there such a thing as this uh, hiding place for one woman where she could be Matzelas uh, Kohanos Kulan? So it says the Gemara, maybe we should say, maybe we can say that all of the women that all of the women uh, would be uh, would be asura, says the Gemara. You cannot compare our case of hiding one woman to the other case of Shnei Shvilin. Hachi hashta. There's no comparison between these two cases at all. Why not? Last two lines on Chavzayin and Aleph. Because Hasam, in the case of the Shnei Shvilin, Vada Ikatuma. There's no question in the case of Shnei Shvilin. Certainly one of the pathways is Tameh. There's a big, uh, there's a big thing there that says here lies person X. We know that there's a mace there. We just don't know who went on which path. So in the case of Shnei Shvilin, there's Vaday Tuma. But here in our case, says the Gemara Hacha, There's no, we don't know for sure that any of the women were violated. It's a halachic assumption, yes, but we don't know for sure that anyone was violated. These cases are not comparable. Therefore, we can't extrapolate an answer from Shnei Shvilin back to our case. The Gemara asks another question. Boy Ravashi, Amra That's a little bit of a throwback to the conversations about Pesha Asar Hua Pesha Hitir. So on the one hand, she said Lo I definitely wasn't in hiding, Pesha Asar. And then she says, but even though I wasn't hiding, I also wasn't Macy. I also didn't become Tame Mahu. What is the din? So says the Gemara, Mi Amrinan, do we say as we turn to the top of Chavzayin and Bez, Mali Lashakir? I easily could have lied. Rashi says, Dibur Hamaskal, Mali Lashakir, Iboya, Amran Nechbesi. I could have said I hid. So therefore, because it's a Miku, because I said that I was Lo Nechbesi, that I wasn't in hiding, therefore, there's a lot of trustworthiness in that because she put herself out on a limb to say that, and therefore, we should trust her. Odil Malo Amrinan, or do we not say Mali Lashakir in such a case? And therefore, we don't trust her, and she would be Asura to her husband. Says the Gemara, maybe we can learn from the following. That a person lent an animal to his friend, or I should say his friend rented an animal from him. Omar Le, here were the conditions of the loan. You can borrow the donkey. Please don't take him down this road, down this pathway to Nahar Pekod, because there's a river over there and there's always too much water and it's dangerous for the animal. Zeal, instead, go beorcha de Neresh to Lake Amaya. I want you to take a different pathway. So you can rent my animal, but you have to follow my rules. You're, you, you can only use pathway A to travel and not pathway B. Person takes it and doesn't listen to the rules. The Azal Ihu, the renter, takes the uh, animal and he takes it beorcha de Nahar Pekod. He takes him down the pathway where he shouldn't have, and the animal dies. Now, the animal doesn't die because of the concern of the uh, of the maskir. The animal just died of natural causes. Whatever the case is, he didn't die because of the water. So says the Gemara, he then brought his shayla, the borrower, the socher, I should say, brought the shayla to Rava. Asa lakame to Rava. Amarle. Uh, in it's correct. I did. I went down the wrong path. I, I went to the place where the maskir told me not to go. But the animal didn't die because of water. There was no water that day. The animal died because of something else. So Amar Rava Mali 
<laughs> the Gemara says he, he didn't have to say that he went to this pathway of Nahar Pekod. Maybe we should say that he's therefore telling the truth, that the animal died for other reasons. So says the Gemara, we trust that he's telling the truth because he could have lied and said that he took the animal down a different path. I don't understand. We don't say Mali Lashakir. We don't allow, we don't employ the Migu of Mali Lashakir that he could have said the person was in a different a different space. And I now he says that he's in the wrong space. We trust him. We don't say that in a place where there are Adim. What does it mean? It means in a place where we have a halachic assumption that the water never stops, as was the case in Nahar Pakod. So says the Gemara, we're not allowed to say Mali Lashakir in this case. And maybe the same exact thing should be true in our case as well. That if a woman says lo nichbesi, we have a halachic assumption, as our Mishnah stipulated, that she should have been violated, that she would have been violated. So therefore, maybe we can't say mali l'shakir. Says the Gemara, you cannot learn one thing from the other. We can't learn from the case of the donkey, where he told him not to go down to Nahar Pekod and bring any information to extrapolate back to our case of a woman who said lo nichbesi. Why not? Hachi hashta, these cases are not comparable. Over there, in regards to the case of Nahar Pekod, where the Masker gave the Sochar directions, you can borrow my animal, but you can't go to Nahar Pekod, because really there's always water there. However, says the Gemara, you're right that we have an assumption that a woman was violated, but it doesn't mean that every woman was violated. It's a chashash that she was violated. It's not as strong as a chazaka as the fact that there was water at Nahar Pakod. Therefore, these cases are not comparable. It's only a chashash. And therefore, we do say, we do say the argument of Mali Lashakir. Therefore, the question we started with in this uh, piece of the sugya was, do we trust a woman to say, you're right, I wasn't in hiding, which would have left the assumption that she might have been violated. And then she said, but I really wasn't violated. Do we believe her because of the argument of Mali Lashakir? She could have lied and said she was in hiding. And we learn from the Gemara that it, because it's only a chashash of Tuma, we allow her to employ the miku of Mali Lashakir to say, that uh, that she was not violated, and we trust her. That brings us to the two dots, a quarter of the way down on Chavzayin Amid Beis. Let's continue. And we had said in our Mishnah that a woman is not Naaman herself to say that she wasn't violated. However, we do trust witnesses, even though these witnesses are not ideal. It's a Shifcha or it's an Eved. Says the Gemara, It seems to be that even if this was her own maidservant, that she would be trustworthy. But how does that work? We have the following case scenario where a man gave a conditional get to his wife. The halacha is that when there's a conditional get in play, they're not allowed to be alone. They can only be in closed quarters with Adim. And the reason we don't allow that is if a man gives a conditional get to his wife and then they're intimate, the get becomes a get yashan and the get yashan is no longer a valid get. So says the Gemara, in this case, they are allowed to give the get, no problem, but they can't be alone lest they decide to, that, they, that they end up being together. And says the Gemara, uh, with the exception of her own maidservant, because she's very close to her shifcha, the Gemara makes an assumption that 
they're very close. They, uh, they, she helps bathe her. They, she's, she doesn't assume that uh, she can't have Tashmish Amita with her husband, even with the Shifcha in the room. So therefore we don't seem to trust this Shifcha when the Shifcha is the maidservant of this woman. She's not trustworthy. But as the Gemara had opened a couple of lines ago, it was implied that even her own maidservant was trustworthy. So which one is it? Says the Gemara, Omara Papi Bishvuya Hekilu. We were lenient in our case to trust her maidservant, even though we don't trust her in the case of the get Yasha. Rav Papa Amar It depends. One case was Shifchadida, that was the case of our Mishnah. And this case is Shifchadide, where it's his maidservant who is there. And then we don't assume that there would be Tashmish Amita under those circumstances. Says the Gemara, Is it in fact the case that we would not trust her maidservant? After all, Haktani, what did we say in our Mishnah? We do trust her. So which one is it? Do we trust her maidservant or do we not? Says the Gemara, Really, Shifchasa Nami Ke'atzma Dami. We treat a woman's maidservant like we treat herself. And that is that if there were to have been Yichud, uh, let's say that the, the wife and the husband were alone, even though there was a get that was on the table and the shifcha was there, we assume that to still be Yichud. We assume that to still be Yichud. We have principles like this in Halacha too, that uh, we have principle called Libo Gaspa, where the normal rules of Yichud don't apply. Some of the Mephorshim, some of the Postkim speak about this. If a person works in an office with a with a woman or someone of the opposite gender, so because they work together all the time, even though they're, it's a halachically normal, appropriate relationship, but because libo gaspa, then there have to be more higher standards of hilchos yichud, more than the standard of the hilchos yichud that apply to a man and a woman who he doesn't know. So if you're in such a scenario, please make sure to ask Sheilas Chacham. These are, of course, very important halachos that keep the appropriate boundaries in Klal Yisrael. Ravashi Omar, halfway down on Chavzayin Amad Bez, Ravashi Omar, Hava Hava Shifchadida. Really, both cases, the case of our Mishnah and the case of the Get Yashan, is speaking about Shifchadida. We're talking about her maidservant. The Shivcha, Michsa, Chazya, Vishaska. What we're concerned about is that uh, the Shifcha will see that she was intimate with her husband, and really the get is a get yoshan, and she may not say anything in order to help the cause, even though halachically it's bad, but she may want to make sure that uh, that, her, that her mistress, who she's servicing, that she is, is going to still be able to remarry. So it says the Gemara, Hasam, in that case, Dishtikasa matirta lo mehemna. In that case, because her silence would be the validation of the get, if she would have said they were together, then it would have been a get yashan. If she says nothing, and then the implication is that they were not together, then that's a matir that she'll marry someone again. That's a big problem because then it's a get yashan. And then she's really not divorced from the first husband while she's married to a second one. They're lo mehemna. But hacha, in our case, dishtikasa osarta, here in our Mishnah, if she says nothing, then the assumption is that the woman's apsula. So there, it's different It's different modalities of her being a maidservant. In the case of our Mishnah, her silence would be the bad evidence. It would indicate that she, in fact, was psula. The edus that we would need the shifcha to give is she wasn't nivelis. So therefore, there are different cases. Mehemna says the Gemara, Maybe she'll lie in that case as well. Maybe she'll lie in our Mishnah. Says the Gemara, Tarte lo abda. A double lie she will not do. What does that mean? She won't withhold edus. And she won't give false edus. Kiho, we have a story that's similar to this, to Mari Bar Isak, the Amri Lachana Bar Isak. We're not exactly sure who it was. We know that they were the children of Isak. And he had a long lost brother who showed up from another city, a brother that he had never met. Omar Le, the brother showed up and said, 
you're my long lost brother, and we need to split the inheritance of our father. I've never seen you before. I have no idea who you are. So they went to go ask Geshayla. Omar Lay, Rav Chizda says back to him, you're, he's actually right. He really is your long lost brother. Shapir ka Omar Lach. as we have a famed Pasuk in the Torah about Yosef and his brothers, that Yosef recognized his brothers. When Yosef left the house, all of his brothers were mature. They had beards already. Yosef was, uh, he had no facial hair at all when he left the family. So says the Gemara, when Yosef left the house, he didn't have a beard. So the boys, the brothers, when they finally saw him as the viceroy of Egypt, they didn't recognize him. However, now that uh, Yosef is here with a beard, they had no idea who he was. So says the Gemara, Rav Chizda says to the long lost brother, look, you came to town. We have a principle called Hamotzi Mechavero Olav Haraya. If you want to extract money from your brother, that's great, but you have to bring a raya that you're in fact his brother. So he says, Omar Le, Isli Sade, I do have witnesses, says the long lost brother. But they're very scared to give testimony because my brother is a is a Gavra Rabbi. He's a very strong person. Nobody wants to testify against him. So the Gemara responds, Omar Le, Rukhiza then pivots to the brother, to, to the brother who was in town, not the brother who was long lost, but the brother was here already. Omar Le, fine, Lididei, Zil, Aisinu Atilavachuchu. You have to bring a raya that he's not your brother, otherwise you have to pay. So he says back to him, that's not right. Omar Le, Dina Hachi, that's not the halacha. The halacha is not, the burden's not on me. Hamotzi Mechaber, all of raya. It's not fair that I should have to give a burden that he isn't my brother. He's trying to get money out of me. We have a, a, a constant themed principle in Shas of Hamotzi Mechavera al Varaya. That if someone wants to extract money from me, that's great. But then bring a raya that you're my brother and then I'll pay you. I don't have to bring a raya that you're not my brother. So it says the Gemara, Rav Chiza responds, you're right in general, but not here. Here, in this case, the din is like this because you're so powerful and we don't want the Edim to, you know, to, to fear you, to say that really you're brothers because then it's going to force you to pay out. But still, says the Gemara, that's not a good argument. We're five lines before the Y lines. But even if I bring Adam, he says, the Adam I'm going to bring are scared of me too. They're going to lie for my behalf. They're still going to lie, says the Gemara. And this story is a riot to what we just extracted above. Tarte lo avde. People don't double lie. They don't both withhold Edus and they will not give false Edus. The Gemara says, Lema ketanoi. Maybe this conversation really is a machlokes tanoim. How so? Zo edos ish isha. This is uh, the edos that is acceptable for a woman. We can accept them from a tinok v'tinokes, aviha ve'ima ve'acheha ve'achosa. All of these people are able to give positive testimony about a marriage. Aval lo b'na ubita lo avda v'lo shifchasa. Yet on the other side, as much as that's true, anyone can give testimony that this woman is married. Chutz mehemena ubaila, except for her herself and her husband, the two of them are no gebadabar. Dirav papi udiravashi tanoihi. According to Rav Papi and Ravashi from uh, from halfway down the page, according to the two of them, it does seem very much like these two prices are machlokes tanoim. And that's why Ravashi gave the answer earlier that it really depends what's going on. There's different uh, types of edus, there's different types of shivchas. However, to Rav Papa, we don't have to say that according to Rav Papa, that it's a machlokes tanoim. One b'risa is speaking about mesiach lefituma, one b'risa is speaking about another case. Ki hadachi asa ravdimi amar avchanan, 
Some people say that this story happened in front of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi. And maybe the story happened with Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi and it was a story in front of Rabbi. Either way, we were taken captive by, by the non-Jews. Every time I went out to, to drink water, I would look over my shoulder every 30 seconds. Constantly looking. I, I see no one's with her. I see no one's near her. And she's totally fine. And he continues talking. He's speaking innocently, just to kind of, uh, in a very pure, and just telling a story. When I went out, went out to go collect some firewood to keep the fire going, to keep us warm, Al Imi. And what was the inference of this case? The Mesiah Levituma Behesia Ribkuhuna Alpi Rebbe, excuse me, Behesia Rebbe, Rebbe allowed her to marry Likuhuna to a Kohen Alpiv because the, the son was watching and the Edus the of Mesiah Levituma is a real Edus. And therefore, Maybe Rav Papa doesn't view the, these two brises as, as, as these two brises as a machlokes tanoim. This brings us to the next mission on the bottom of Chavzayin Amud Beis, six seven lines from the bottom, six lines from the bottom. Amar of Zachary ben Akatzav Hamaon This is a language of a shvua. He says Lo zaza yadi mitoch yada mitoch yadi mishashenichnesu of the kochav nirshalaim v'adshi yatsu. Rav Zachary said that his wife's hand was in his hand, either literal or figurative. Uh, meaning that he did not, she was not out of his sight for for even a single moment. And he said, I know for sure that when they were there and then they left, they were not with my wife. And he was a Kohen. Wow, that is a sharp retort. They're not even allowed to be married anymore. Says the Gemara Tana Ba'afal Pika in the Brisa writes, even though they're not allowed to be together anymore, she's allowed to have a house in his uh, on his property. When she would leave, she would leave first and then her sons. Then she would, when she would come home, she would come home and her sons would be home first, of course, to avoid the Isser. They're not allowed to be alone. So therefore, when she would leave, she'd always leave first. When she'd come home, she'd always come home second so that she and her ex-husband would never be able to be home alone. Says the Gemara, we understand that this applies in this case where she was potentially violated, or at least the halachic assumption is that she was violated. How does this apply to a case of a regular grusha? Are we allowed for a couple to be divorced and she can then live on campus? Can she live on the same property? So do we say, we were more lenient in the case of our Mishnah, which was a case where there was a captivity, uh, and therefore we were more lenient. But here in regards to a Grusha, we're not going to be lenient. Or perhaps the logic can still be employed and applied to the case of a Grusha. And what would then be the case is that a Grusha could live on the same property as her ex-husband. Says the Gemara, let's see if we can figure this out, Toshma. The Brysa writes to Tanya, Hamagarish es ishto, lo bishchunaso. A woman who is divorced, she should not get married and live in the same neighborhood. Vim haya kohen, and says the Gemara, afilu lo nises, and if this man was a kohen, lo saduri mo bimavoy, they shouldn't even live in the same mavoy. Says the Gemara, if it was a very small city, so this actually took place. That a small village is treated like a shchuna. So these halachos apply uh, under these circumstances. And then the Gemara says, who needs to move out of the house? Okay, we understand now that the Kohen, uh, that his wife uh, was halachically assumed to have been violated. And um, who has to move out? 
in the unfortunate scenario. Says the Gemara, Toshma de Tanya, he nidches mipanav. She should move out. We'll see why shortly in the Gemara. Ve'en hu nidche mipanav. But he doesn't leave. Vim hayesa chatzer shela. If she owned the property, then hu nidche mipanav, then he leaves. So it says the Gemara, I don't understand. What if they were both equal owners or they both had one house each on the property? Toshma, we said that under equal circumstances, he nidches mipanav. She should leave. What were we dealing with? If it was his field, then uh, then we understand. If it's her field, so which one is it? Says the Gemara, must be talking about a case where they both owned the property equally. So let's say that uh, tenants buy the entirety, as we sometimes refer to it now with some of our mortgages. And what that means is that we each own a percentage of uh, each uh, each percent, a part of each percentage. And therefore you can't sue me because I don't own any one percent. I own only a part of each percent. My wife owns the other part of each percent. So in that case, that's when the woman would have to leave Dilma to Agir Megar. Maybe we're only talking about a case of a rental and not case of ownership. Says the Gemara, what would be the din? Tashma, Hashem Let me just read this passage correctly. Hashem that uh, the Gemara said, Taltela Gaver, Valmarav, Tiltule de Gavra, Kashan Mideitza. It's harder for a man to travel by himself than it is for a woman to travel by herself. A woman's going to, she has all the executive functioning skills. Again, we don't know exactly what the assumption is of the Gemara, but we're under some assumption that she'll do a better job of being on her own than he will. Tanu Rabban, and the Brisa writes a third of the way down on Kavches Amud Beis, heading Kavches Amud Aleph, excuse me, heading down to the Mishnah in another third of the page. Let's say that he borrowed something from her that was initially her father's, meaning she borrowed something from her, really. He's not allowed to even be alone with her to pay her back. There has to be an intermediary. If the two of them show up to Bezdin without an intermediary, we don't even engage them. Get out of here. This is not the right way to do things. You need an intermediary. They, in fact, are put into cheirem. It's not sanua what they're doing. Yeshua took it even further. We give them lashes. We give them lashes for, for behaving inappropriately. It's not sanua. Amar Rav Nachman, Tana Be'evel Rabasi, we learned in Evel Rabasi, says uh, the, on the side here, uh, it's going to be also, actually we quoted this a little bit earlier, Be'evel Rabasi, what did we learn in that Gemara? That's only talking about a divorce. When do we have all of these guidelines? From a divorce after they were fully married. If the divorce took place only after Erisin, but they were never married and never together, then then the payment can happen directly, even without an intermediary. There, she'en li bogaspa, because they've never been intimate. So therefore, ain't li bogaspa, the, uh, the emotions aren't quite as developed and strong. There was a couple that had been engaged and they broke off their engagement and they went in front of Rava. And Rava said, this is not right. You guys need to have, uh, you guys need to have someone go between you. We just learned that that only applies by married people, but not by people who are only engaged. I know, but I can tell that they're still infatuated with one another. And therefore, if you can see that, then you need to mitigate. You need to take that into consideration. Therefore, Rava, for this particular couple, added, he added for them, 
that uh, there should be someone between them. Ika de Amre, there are those who say, really, that wasn't what happened with Rava and this couple of engaged, the broken engagement. Really, lo oki Rava, shliach bein taihu. He didn't put anyone between them. And normally, Ravada bar masna neku mar bein taihu. And the Talmud says to Rava, why don't you give, uh, why don't you put someone between them? Omar leva, Omar rav nachman tanabeva We already learned that it only applies, the intermediary is only necessary between the broken marriage, between the broken couple, is only necessary Necessary when they were fully married. This couple was only engaged. The Talmud said back, That's only when they're not infatuated with one another. But here we understand that uh, where they are uh, gaspa, where there is still strong emotions there, that we need to make sure that we're behaving appropriately and that we separate this couple just a little bit. Because if we don't do that, we're afraid that something might end up happening and then they'll end up violating Nisr. This is just a very, very uh, good and stark reminder that whenever we're in a scenario where we need to have the appropriate boundaries, we should certainly do so. We'll stop right here in Yer Tashem. Tomorrow night, we'll pick up with Dav Kav Ches at the Mishnah. Wishing you all a beautiful day.